box to box stoppage time. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time, a podcast spun off from our main show where we could head just about anywhere in the world game, covering the standout games, moments, teams and hot topics of the week. Rob Gilbert, our regular host, is enjoying the final few days of his breather, so you're once again with Willem van Denderen, Derek Dyson and Michael Edgeley. Jump straight into it, Derek. You are notionally our English or UK football expert, but the game of the week this week has caught your eye from across the pond. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we, we, we don't want to keep it totally Premier League in this show so we are going to go to League uh, and the result that caught my eye was PSG losing their first game not just back from from the uh, the World Cup but their first game since March and it was against Lens in second place and Lens uh, for anyone who's seen them they've got an iconic ground very tight ground extremely uh, popular charismatic fans and they were making an absolute racket in there and yes uh, uh, PSG were without uh, some of their stars including Messi but Kylian Mbappe was on the pitch the uh, the top scorer from from the World Cup and the hat-trick scorer from uh, the World Cup and then Kylian and the likes of Sergio Ramos, Donnarumma etc this was still a pretty good team couldn't get past Lons who ended up uh, winning 3-1 um, a, a great result, and it actually keeps things interestingly in in league. Uh, I think Lons have now closed up the gap to PSG to four points, so we might well have a title race in France. So, uh, you know, we talk about lots of good stuff with PSG on this show, but we want to we want to call out when they're not having a good time, and they'll be very disappointed with this result. But their first loss since March the twentieth uh, in in Liga. Mr. Michael Edgley, we find you in Thailand this week. What has uh, caught your eye? Well, what caught my eye was uh, I did catch quite a bit of an A-League women's match between Perth and Western United. I wanted to watch Western United, who've started the A-League women's competition very, very well. And I was just wondering whether that is, you know, the, the new club and the early impetus of momentum around getting some early results. But I've got to say, um, they're the real deal. They went behind twice against Perth, who have... You know, they are towards the bottom of the table in A-League women's, but they've been very competitive in every game. And um, obviously, home games, they are much more significant for Perth. So uh, Perth got out to a 1-0 lead and then a 2-1 lead, but Western United overtook them and went in 3-2. And uh, they have a very, very good player. USA's um, an American, Hannah Keane, who comes from some of the lower leagues in, in America, but uh, she'd been in Australia previously at NPL level, and she's having... A wonderful start to the A-League women's season. So that, for me, was my game of the week. I very much enjoyed it. And um, well done to Western United. They look like they're the real deal in the A-League women's, uh, Willem. My game of the week might be a little bit of an obvious one to pick, but it has to be, for me, the old firm derby. Uh, Derek, I'm keen to get your thoughts on what it is that makes this fixture so gripping time in, time out. I mean... Of course, there's always going to be the context of the table. There's always points on the line, but we get games in the Premier League, the A-League leagues right around the world where the hype just doesn't deliver. But I've watched six or seven of these now and they are always just tight, tense affairs. Is it the fandom? Does that have a tangible impact on the players on the pitch? Is it the history? Uh, and we saw the ugly side of it uh, as well. We There was a moment silence prior to the game uh, commemorating the, the Rangers tragedy of Jan 2, 1972 and the Celtic fans just 
couldn't keep it within themselves to show any form of respect. So there's an ugly side to this rivalry as well, but there is something behind it that fuels gripping matches every single time. Yeah, there are, there aren't many dull nil-nil draws in in old firm. There's generally an early goal. There's generally multiple goals, and and generally both teams are uh, are in are in the game. I know Ange uh, dominated Rangers a bit last year, but Rangers will will look at this as uh, you know definitely points dropped, but I think they can take a lot of a lot of heart from the result. Whereas I think Ange will probably be getting back on that. Celtic bus and going, geez, you know what we we got we got to away with one with one there boys and and the return with their um, just just then that short trip across Glasgow with the, with their lead uh, in the top of the, the the SPL intact. But I mean, in all honesty, I just think they hate each other. Well, the fact the fans just absolutely hate each other. I know Michael can speak with with a lot of uh, authority on. Latin American football in particular and some of the rivalries there that get white hot as well. But this is families, this is religion, this is blood, this is politics, this is geography. Uh, yes, the media does its best to, to whip it up into a, a frenzy every single time, but the, the loathing and animosity between between the two clubs is, is just off the scale, which means that by the time we get to Ibrox or Celtic, the atmosphere is absolutely boiling. And yes, of course, being a two-horse race normally in Scotland, um, you, uh, uh, you, you know, you, 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 there is always the, then the, the league title riding on it uh, as well. But it was certainly when I was back in the UK, it was appointment viewing. You'd, I wouldn't be watching Dundee or Dunkirk or Dumfries or whoever. I'm but so as soon as you... Done firmly, quite. Uh, uh, but as soon as you had this, the remote and you saw old firm twelve o'clock, you'd put a, you'd put a, you know, metaphorical circle around it and go, yeah, I'll watch that because I'm going to be entertained. It's going to be spicy. It's going to be dramatic. So yeah, they're always worth tuning into. Sorry, Michael, I thought you were going to jump in there, but that's all. No, good. No, no, we'll no. Move ahead to the team, and that falls back on you, Derek. So who's impressed you the most this week from a team perspective? I'm I'm staying out of the Premier League again for the moment. I want to go to the Championship and just call out Burnley, who have uh, now just gone six straight wins uh, to go top of top of the Championship. It's a fourteen point gap on third place Blackburn Rovers. Um, so uh, who who would for the other automatic qualification spots? So that is a pretty big gap that they've built up already and. Uh, the recent victory was a 2-1 away win over Swansea City, who uh, I believe uh, are, are doing okay as well. So that would be, would have been a pretty good, pretty good result there for for them in in uh, from any in any uh, times. But Ian Madsen scored two goals there, and I think what what should be noticed about Burnley under Vincent Company, who let's face it, didn't exactly light uh, things up in his first job at Anderlecht and he was talked up as being the, the sort of a protege of uh, Guardiola uh, didn't work out for him at Anderlecht and then he came across to Burnley and there are a lot of eyebrows ways because you know Vincent Company's come from this kind of finishing school of uh, elite attractive football and then you have what we all sort of think about when it's Bur- with Burnley which may now may now be unfair that they're this kind of negative team, particularly under under Sean Dyche. But 
yeah, they've been absolutely tearing the championship up. And it's not because they've been, uh, you know, just playing their Premier League team. That team was shorn of a lot of its assets by the likes of uh, Newcastle United, of course, who came in for uh, for Chris Chris Wood, amongst others. And apart from Ashley Barnes up front, who's still chugging away, making a nuisance of himself as the quintessential target man, this is pretty much a, a brand new squad that he is. Uh, assembled, but they're five points clear of Sheffield United, 14 clear of uh, Blackburn Rovers. So um, m- uh, keep an eye out on Burnley because I think they're going to be coming straight back to the Premier League. Michael, it sounds like your team of the week is the Western United women's, but you can't nominate them for two categories. So where else are you going to take us? Uh, well, I was actually going to um, talk about Burnley as well, so he's, he's stolen my thunder. But since I'm in Thailand, I, I had a plan B, and the plan B is the Thai national team who are currently uh, playing in the AFF Championship, and they had a big win over Cambodia 3-1 to go top of the table in Group A. So consider me in Thailand. Uh, the Elephants, I love one of the great nicknames in, in Asian football is Thailand. The Elephants are continuing their... Um, preparations for what they will hope will be a very successful World Cup campaign and maybe an entrance with the expanded World Cup, their very first World Cup. Wouldn't that be awesome? Who is going to be some of those? So that's a discussion for another point. But, yeah, the elephants in Thailand are going beautifully. That's a hotly contested competition as well. Annual, I believe, Michael. It's always played in the first week of the year. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll cover off on the AFF Cup next week. We will move along to the moment of the week. I'll kick things off. And for mine, it was Jamie McLaren becoming the first man to score in nine consecutive A-League matches. Nine games this season, 12 goals. Uh, his goal-scoring record is phenomenal. Some criticise him. Some say he scores his goals in a similar manner. Some say that he's a, a big fish in a, in a small pond, but you can't deny his record. 132 goals in 185 in the A-League, 87 in 103 for Melbourne City. And he has left his mark on the national team. It's taken him a little while, but uh, he has been a, a very solid contributor for quite a long time now. From the team perspective, City, four points clear with a game in hand. The Wanderers is a second and just had a 4-0 win. Uh, so it's no sure thing, Michael, but uh, City certainly in the box seat for a third consecutive premiership, uh, and McLaren, 12 goals. Jason Cummings, second with six. So McLaren's going to win his fifth golden boot, barring injury. Looks that way, doesn't he? So, uh, well, what an organisation they are to continue to manage themselves, especially considering Patrick Kaznorbo's loss would have been pretty significant. Um, Rado Vidicic stepping into the breach there from the women's team, and uh, well done to Jamie McLaren and um, got to know his parents in... um, uh, Donald and Julie in uh, Qatar, they're rippers, absolute rippers, great family. So, yeah, let's celebrate Jamie as much as we can. Hold the ball there, Michael. What's your moment? Uh, moment of the week uh, actually came a little while ago, Willem, when we um, had the great pleasure of uh, in- interviewing Ray Richards uh, and his special reflections and um, and relationship with Pelé. Uh, he obviously played against him, but sounds like he had quite a bit to do with him. And um, that moment came when you asked him, Willem, about um, how he received the news and he mentioned how upset he was and how he broke down and the impact of Pelé's uh, aura and, um, and significance of uh, a little moment in Ray's life. And obviously, um, that was a beautiful interview and um, well done to you in securing Ray to come on our show. So people listening to Stoppage Time, if you haven't listened to um, the regular Box to Box program, make sure you get onto your 
listening device or Spotify or iTunes, whatever it is, and and knock up last uh, the last edition of Box the Box because Ray Richards' interview is a very special one. Well, and that was my moment of the week. Oh, thank you, Michael. But the credit cannot be mine at all. That goes to uh, to Nick Campton and Sam Lewis in the ABC who who whipped up that yarn basically and made the initial contact. And Sam actually passed on the contact uh, for Ray. So no, they they thoroughly deserve the credit there. Not my uh, not my success in the slightest. Play the uh, play the crossfield ball to Derek Michael for his moment of the week. Yeah, look, I think the actual moment of the week uh, was when Marcus Rashford reached across in bed and hit the snooze button on his alarm clock. <laughs> And then uh, woke up a couple of hours later and realised that he had missed a very important team meeting and scrambled across to there. Uh, Eric Ten Hag wasn't happy uh, and and benched him. And and he is the has been the form player for Manchester United. Of course, he scored three goals at the World Cup for England as well. So he was carrying all that form with him too. And I think you know the great signs from Ten Hag. We was we've spoken about Ronaldo a bit in in the. Uh, in the main show this week and about how he's conducted himself. But Ten Hag has absolutely got this club where he wants it in terms of, of discipline and no one is going to gonna be spared if uh, they need to be dropped. But uh, to then come on against Wolves with Manchester United really huffing and puffing to try and get a goal, got the goal um, and, and really just showed just how important he is to Manchester United and and how he's almost been a bit of a wasted asset or wasting asset over the past few years. I know that they are continually linked with all sorts of players from uh, around Europe and around the world. But if I was uh, the manager, I'd take this kid and he is still a kid at 25 and there's still plenty of good years left with him. And I'd build my team around Marcus Rashford. I still think he's a very special talent. He just needs to get a better alarm clock. That staggers me as a professional athlete. You're using your body, Michael. You're in the flow. You shouldn't really be sleeping in. If you're carrying on and living a varied lifestyle, maybe, but these guys are pretty sort of regimented in the way they go about it. That is a surprise. I've just got this visual with Derek describing Marcus just reaching across for the snooze button. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with you. Actually, he should have been on time. But uh, but if that was probably what happened, he was probably tired. He famously said that Eric was going to need all 10 hugs in a row to uh, pull off this job at Manchester United. Six months in, how do you think he's faring on a scale of one to ten hugs? Oh, I'd give him uh, seven or eight hugs out of ten hugs at the moment. Uh, with a, with you a know, bonus hug for Austin Ronaldo. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say that he's a big, you know, he won that battle there, really, and the club ended up backing the manager and, and not the player, which I think was the right thing to do. He's reintegrated the likes of Rashford back into this team and found out some form uh, uh, from him. Manchester United, I think, have won their last five games in a row. And, you know, we've we've nearly gone the whole segment without mentioning Arsenal, but uh, we've been watching a lot of other players, uh, sorry, a lot of other teams falling away and having patchy form over the last few weeks. But Manchester United have been pretty consistent, not spectacular, not playing killer football but but getting getting results so i i think i'll give him seven out of ten hugs just because you know, <laughs> I, th- I still think there's a long way to go but at the same uh, you know he's certainly given the absolute car wreck that he that he inherited um and some of the skepticism around whether he could do it at a club the size of manchester united i just think he's proven that he's a quality manager and um even old frankie de jong who 
didn't want to go six months ago when, when United were courting him heavily. Sounds like he wants to go now because he's had a look at the project over there and gone, actually, that's that's going in the right direction and maybe I can contribute. So, uh, yeah, I think he's I think he's uh, done okay, Willem. We will be three days into the New Year's Sydney Pink Test by the time this airs. It might be over the way South Africa are going. So, Michael, you've got the new ball for the Hot Topic. Well, for me, it was um, what we covered a little bit earlier in the show um, on the regular program, and uh, that is the continuing story and narrative that's developing around uh, Melbourne victory. Uh, obviously, from the Derby debacle, the ongoing issues around um, the continued, that number of people being charged by Victoria Police is growing, um, issues around um, people that were previously banned being in the stadium, which reflects on... Uh, obviously Melbourne victory. And then now, Willem, the news that uh, they've had a massive loss off the back of the COVID season and um, some a little bit of conjecture about the structure of their ownership based on information that's gone out to shareholders. So Melbourne victory for me are the hot topic. They are um, in many ways the, um, the litmus test of the entire league because of the success of the club's um, following. Um, yeah, so Melbourne victory for me, They'll, they're going to be in the tips of people's tongues for many weeks to come, I would, I would suspect. Yeah, that's a hot topic that is sucking the life out of the game here in this country day by day. Derek, your hot topic? Yeah, I'm going to put on my partisan hat just for a second. I just wanted to talk about Tottenham Hotspur. Um, not, a, not a great <laughs> result over the last uh, couple of days, losing at home to an impressive-looking Aston Villa, and it wouldn't have been lost on anyone in the... Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that uh, that that Villa team has now managed by Unai Emery, uh, and he his team looked very efficient. And um, I was asked about Tottenham last week, and I was on the fence a little bit, saying, "Well, you know, they're still scoring goals, they're they're still jagging results occasionally. Uh, you know, they're all two all draw at Brentford. You know, now looks pretty good given what happened to Liverpool at Brentford a couple of night a couple of nights ago, um, but." You know, I think there's a problem at, at Spurs now, and and you know, this the fans are singing for Daniel Levy to to be thrown out. You know, this is the guy that's taking Spurs from really of a pretty mediocre kind of side, mid-table side, uh, to a team that uh, you know has been in the Champions League final, have built this fantastic stadium, albeit it does look like a toilet from the air, but it is a fant- it is a fantastic stadium and one of the best stadiums in the the country, if not the best stadium in the country now. And yes, it does have a thousand more attendance than the Emirates Stadium. Um, but they're now on um, some pretty shabby run of form. Uh, Conte as well just decided to detonate a bomb in the middle of his post-match interview as well. He said in the summer that while all the other teams were buying bazookas, he was buying little guns. I don't know <laughs> who he was referring to here. Who are these little guns? But you know, if you were one of those signings for Tottenham over the summer, you're not going to be feeling great about yourself. Conte is the classic when it comes to just blaming anyone else apart uh, from himself, and it almost feels like he's it almost feels like he's there doing Tottenham a favour. That's kind of what it feels like that he's not, you know, engendering any kind of buy-in from his players or the fans, and the football itself is pretty uh, pretty diabolical. I, I think. Um, a lot of Spurs fans still want Pochettino in charge. I saw a thing that day where he was torn out and all of a sudden Jose Mourinho uh, was in charge of the club. Um, I think there's a lot of fans there that 
miss the attractive you know the attractive football from from Pochettino and what, what he brought to them Mourinho obviously just detonated the club and then you know Daniel Levy I did big him up there with his you know what he has achieved but he knew exactly what he was getting with Antonio Conte you know he would have known what he was putting in charge there in terms of the quality of the football his relationship with the media his constant throwing the hierarchy under the bus so yeah, I, I don't think, you know, Tottenham are still fifth in the Premier League. It's far from disaster stations, uh, Michael, but I've, I've, I've put a bit of a, a diatribe together there. But it, it doesn't doesn't all look well at Tottenham. Then throwing the Arsenal at top of the league just compounds their misery even further. Yeah, I like the fact that you described their new stadium, which is, to be fair, the best stadium, uh, one of the best stadiums of the world, uh, looking like a toilet from the air. So... Um... I'll remember that one. But to our friends who support Tottenham out there and the listening audience, uh, that was um, Derek Dyson, Arsenal fan, letting everybody know his thoughts on just how they're travelling. Well, I thought it was a very fair and, and balanced and measured diatribe, as you put it, Derek. Until the end, you just couldn't resist the uh, the little Arsenal-inflected uh, clip there. My hot topic has been a bit of a slow burn, which has come to the boil, and I'm sick of it. Emmy Martinez keeping himself the hot topic week after week, and I'm liking him less and less. He's made a very public show this week of buying a £20,000 Belgian Mellonhouse to protect his house and his World Cup winner's medal. This is a proper combat dog, Michael. US Navy SEALs and the SIS, uh, SAS use them. Uh, he's bought them from a company called UK Elite Protection Dogs. Uh, you and I, Emery, not very impressed. Um, he was pretty... I think he was understanding about the early antics, saying that when you... Uh, a subject of big emotion, as Emer- as uh, as Martinez was when he won the World Cup, that you can behave uh, like a bit of a goose, but he's had enough apparently, and he might be shipping him out in January. Uh, he was available for the first time for Aston Villa post-World Cup in their 2-0 win away at Spurs uh, and warmed the bench. So, Emmy Martinez, I've had a gutful. Uh, gents, unless there's anything else to add, just like to thank our audience once again for their listenership of box to box Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, tweet us and follow us on Facebook and join us early next week for our main show, Rob Gilbert back in the host chair and we'll go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.